This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, special thank you and a PR podcast plug to our friend Tanya McKenzie, founder of Sand and Shores PR in Los Angeles, California, and the host of the Lead the Way podcast, among many others, I might add. She had me on her show recently, uh, and I'm grateful for that. We had a great conversation, as we always do. We tend to mix it up whenever we we get in uh, uh, together, and in a good way. Um, but Tanya is an absolute force in her neighborhood um, in the suburbs of Los Angeles. She's working with local businesses there. She works with local organizations there. She helps them tell their unique stories to their audiences, and she does such a good job with it. And her PR, uh, her her podcast, I should say, I fell into PR podcasts. Her podcasts, uh, plural podcasts. Um, are just terrific to listen to. I always learn so much from her. So a PR podcast plug today to Tanya McKenzie. Check her out on social media and on her website at sandandshores.com. Now let's get into our conversation with our guest for this week. Alan Locker is the vice president of sales for TrueScope, a media monitoring platform. As a PR pro for three decades, he's worked for Walt Disney Studios, where he helped launch more than 200 films and has worked on long-running soap operas, including As the World Turns and Guiding Light. When another job he had was lost to the COVID pandemic, he launched The Locker Room, uh, created to reunite soap fans with their favorite actors and cheer them up during a dark time. That podcast has racked up 360 episodes and raised more than $125,000 for various charities. I love that. Alan, welcome to the PR Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jody. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, well, let's let let's start with the with the shiny object that's dangling in front of my eyes. Walt Disney Studios. What's it like to launch a movie? God, you know, I was right out of college, um, working, you know, for the Mouse House, and at that time, we were doing about sixty movies a year. So, you know, in the almost eight years I was there you know, 60 movies a year racks up to, you know, 200 movies. And it was incredible because you think about it, word of mouth is really what gets a lot of people into the seats, plus the PR that you do. And part of that was, you know, screening the movie for folks at a time where there was no social media. So it, it really was at the water cooler that people would have conversations about these movies we were inviting people to. It would be really interesting today for, you know, to to go back and see what what it would be like with social media, the advantage of social media to launch a movie. It, it's got to like skyrocket the exposure that a film gets today through uh, social media. Well, and these days, I mean, and, and, and people who know me and have listened to me before. Uh, they know that I'm a super geek, especially when it comes to the Marvel and Star Wars universes, which Disney now owns. Yeah. And as we're taping this they this morning, did it when I was we're there. talking. I would have loved that if yeah. right. And, and, and we're taping this on the on the day that they're just dropping trailers for the new Star Wars shows that are coming out. And we're in the middle of watching things like The Mandalorian and you know, my, my, my geek is like going crazy today and it's all over social to your point. 
And social, it drives so much of this excitement and this anticipation today. I mean, view it through, tell us how you see that um, that getting made, right? Give us a give us a, a peek behind the curtain of what goes into, even though you weren't working on these movies when there was social, you must see it through a really different lens of how this promotion all gets put together. Oh God, it, you know, I was, the, like I said, I was there during an amazing time. I worked on Little Mermaid, Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest projects that I had the opportunity to do was I was responsible for all of the national and local television coverage for the premiere of Pocahontas in Central Park, which was a premiere for 100,000 people in on the Great Lawn. But, you know, you think of what we were doing at that time for the animated movies, we would show to uh, a group of select press, we would show sort of a mix of pencil sketches and finished product to get people excited, interested in, you know, like let's say today's show, Good Morning Hour, get, you know, have them see those early stages and then they'd come back and pitch if they'd give us a three or five part series on those movies. And then, you know, Little Mermaid, I think our premiere was at the Museum of Modern Art. Then, you know, Aladdin was down in Walt Disney World. Lion King at Radio City Music Hall. Pocahontas uh, in Central Park. You know, each year it got bigger and, you know, larger and, and what you did to, to generate the excitement around these movies. And something like Sister Act, which was an amazing movie, you know, they knew they had a hit. And Pretty Woman too. We screened it left and right because you, you know, like I said, there was no social media. So you wanted to generate that word of mouth around town. It was just incredible. Had, yeah, it had to be so much more work, right? In doing all this, as opposed to, you know, getting the great art or taking the great trailer and just posting it online and like letting it run. A hundred percent. I mean, you really had to, um, come up with great ideas to pitch, you know, stories. For, for Pocahontas, I got w, uh, WOR to do a three-hour live show from Pocahontas, uh, from Central Park for the premiere. So they were literally doing interstitials throughout the premiere because we had, you know, a live pre-show and then they had taped, uh, you know, uh, interviews with animators and things. So they literally did a three-hour live show from the park. That starts to sound to me, and I, my brain always goes to the behind the scenes, right? And how does the stuff get put together? How does it get made? That sounds like an incredible amount of, of, oh of prep, organization, and execution. Could you take us maybe through that a little bit, even if it's from 30,000 feet? It's a long time ago. So my brain, I mean, there were all different uh, groups. Like I was responsible for the live and, you know, national and local press that were flying in to do stories from Central Park. I'm sure there were, there were people doing, you know, cars to get talent to the park. You know, the, the, the team that built three large movie screens, you know, 
in the middle of the, you know, it, it was an enormous undertaking, it, you know, but at that time, the studio, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Terry Press was our uh, PR leader. Um, and and they they ran an amazing, amazing, you know, group of PR and marketing professionals who, you know, pulled that off without a hitch. That's that's just so cool. It 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 um it fascinates me, frankly, you know, how how something like that because when you see movie press, right? When you see um whether you see it today on social media or ads on TV or whatever, you almost take it for granted in a way. And you and I both know, and probably a lot of the people listening too, that none of that happens by accident. That there there may there may be some happy there may be some happy circumstances that evolve along the way, but ninety nine percent of it is because someone willed it into existence and put it there. Well, and the added benefit today is, I mean, you know, a, a powerful influencer, whether it's a celebrity or a social media influencer who is attending any Broadway show movie concert one post can you know really pull people into a seat so much quicker than you know we had to get you know the reviews done we had to get those stories on the today show in into newspapers and magazines that we were working on i mean it wasn't instantaneously like it is today yeah. So how does that translate into a career in soap opera? Well, for me, I grew up watching. My mother uh, is from Holland and learned to speak English on As the World Turns and Guiding Light. And they initially interested me in entertainment. As I loved the shows growing up, a PR piece in the New York Daily News in the 1980s about a storyline that they were doing. There was a character on the show who was blinded and the show decided to work with a New York City blind school and in that article they told me where the studio was and I started to go outside that studio and I would meet the actors and I would meet behind the scenes people and because I've always wanted to be in entertainment I would start asking you know questions to get it you know how do you get in how do you do this I didn't know I wanted to be in PR. The first resume I sent was to As the World Turns and Guiding Light out of college, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to work on those shows. And 10 years later, I ended up working in the PR department and then leading the PR department. And tell us a little bit about what that entails. I mean, what is the, I guess, the desired goal, other obviously than eyeballs, What's the desired goal for an entertainment product like that, whether it's whether it's a movie or whether it's a soap opera? Well, it is the eyeballs for sure. You know, it, it's a big difference to go uh, pitching and saying, hey, it's Alan Locker from the Walt Disney Studios to Alan Locker from As the World Turns and Guiding Light, because those shows had been on the air for 50 years at that time. So generating press for for daytime television was really a challenge um but i got to do some really great great things i do you remember the tv show on the learning channel called a wedding story 
Yeah, so they, they basically uh, followed real life couples on their marriage journeys. And I pitched a show when one of our couples was getting married for the third time on Guiding Light. I pitched them, you know, their third marriage and they did a full learning channel show, 30 minute program as if Reva and Josh, the couple were a real life couple. But that that speaks to a level of creativity and the word fun is coming into my head um, that you know, you step outside the regular formula of what you're doing and you try to reinvent it. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's why I loved being at as the world turns and getting like the, I had to really push to think of those types of things because mainstream press really didn't cover daytime, you know, because they had been on for so long you know, Luke and Laura was the 80s and it had 30 million viewers. People paid attention back then. You know, after the OJ trial, soap started to dwindle in ratings. Um, but I, I actually did, you know, one of the other things I'm really proud of at Guiding Light on World Turns, for As the World Turns, the executive produ producer took us on the road to try and uh, spike ratings to the college crowd. So we went out to 10 college campuses Literally, we went out one week casting college students from those markets, came back a week later and taped episodes with those college students. And then those episodes aired. So once those episodes aired, we tried to think of a way to generate more from that. And I created, with the help of the CBS Morning Show, a soap star screen test. So we flew in those kids and they did uh five for monday through friday we did a live soap star screen test on the morning show where viewers had to vote for their favorite and then that college student got a three-day gig in new york on as the world turns and then later guiding light so it was it was really american idol before american idol came around <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that, but I love hearing the creativity behind all those ideas because as you're describing all of that, what I'm hearing is this has very little to do with the actual product that's on the air. Yet you are driving attention to the product that's on the air by virtue of all this other stuff that you're creating. I mean, you're you're a creative shop completely separate from the production and yet it's all pointing back at the production that's your 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 goal for sure you know that that's the task that they put upon us that and i love creativity really... the creativity you know and, and being allowed to do it and and find you know getting the morning show to say yes getting the learning channel to say yes for a wedding story that's a you know a blessing, you know, because not that doesn't always happen. I mean, they well, have never a great... done a real life, you know, a fake fictional couple. And it's a it's a great point too, because I think people who might sit back and either not know, or even people who understand how it works, think, oh well, you know, your show is on X Y Z network, and the morning show on X Y Z network naturally did it. That's not necessarily the case, and probably rarely is the case. 
Yeah, it, it, it really is, you know, especially I, I found that very um, surprising because coming from Disney and at that time, I don't know what Disney is like today, but Disney had built a synergy department during my tenure there. And there's, you know, there's no reason a CBS morning show should not be helping the soap operas on their CBS network. Like it just makes sense for all, you know, it, just a logical person, it helps promote everything on your network. You know, you all are trying to bring eyeballs to the overall network for sure. But you still have to sell that idea. It's not a slam dunk out of the gate. Never. Really fascinating, really and I'm fascinating. I'm sure today it's even harder with, you know, the amount of television shows out there and the amount of PR folks like us pitching stories you you know when i was doing it there were no, there was you know no streaming services so there i was not competing in that arena i can only imagine you know if there were still you know 10 soap operas on the air i don't know that they would get much coverage with you know the the limited space to promote tele, you know outside television shows Limited and shrinking, probably, right? I mean, yeah, 100%. Both, both by virtue of the number of outlets, the number of reporters, as well as the increasing amount of content. I mean, if you want to get a headache, just pick your favorite streaming service and look at all the shows that you might be interested in. There's not enough hours in the day to watch all this stuff. So you have to be very discerning. And I would guess that that's where PR and promotion plays an even bigger role in you know bubbling a show to the top of the Netflix queue for example or wh whatever that is yes yeah absolutely like uh, you know just hearing i just finished the night agent on Netflix mm -hmm. which is uh according to you know deadline i think it's about to become their most streamed show ever like it's incredible like how you know i'd love to know what they did along the way to promote all of that to get it to be that incredible. incredible. And in like two weeks, not, not, right. over, I mean, that's an incredible uh, accomplishment in, in a short period of time. All right. So since we're, since we're bumping up against measurement, let's talk about true scope and your, and your day oh, job sure, right sure. now. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, for me, uh, coming to true scope is like a full circle because I started as a low man on the totem pole at the Walt Disney Company. You know, I got in right out of college. I, I was a page for ABC. I went to work for Live with Regis and Kathy Lee, which was then syndicated by Disney. And then a job opened in the movie division that I got and took. And one of my major responsibilities was every morning coming in and doing daily press clippings sitting in front of a copy machine with, you know, newspapers and getting all the reviews and faxing that across the country to Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg and the executives on the West Coast. And now TrueScope is a SaaS platform, a media monitoring platform that tracks millions of media items across print, social broadcast, all of it in real time. No need to sit at a photocopy machine. I could send that report in three seconds. And 
um, you know, there's a lot of um, monitoring tools on, on the market, but my CEO, John Kroll out of Australia had built an award-winning SaaS platform down there. And when he left that company, he was looking at most of the media monitoring platforms across the globe. And most of them are built by tech people and not people like John and you and I who've worked in communications. So he built TrueScope from the ground up with the communicator in mind, making it, you know, the user experience incredible, so fast, real time, covering all, all types of media. Um, you know, it, you know, through media intelligence, it gives you, you know, actionable insights focused on the quality of your content and your audience's engagement. And that's what we're all trying to do with RPR. Let, let's talk a little bit about measurement because it really is the, um, the bugaboo of, of PR and media relations, right? It, mm -hmm. it, there's, there's no, in, in my mind, and lots of people have said this, and you probably have heard this as well, it's, there's, there isn't an ideal way to measure. It's so hard to measure. Let's put it that way. It's so it, hard to measure PR. So what does TrueScope do? We, you know, you can measure, um, first of all, we don't do AVE. Everybody is still trying to do AVE and it's outdated. It is not a real measurement. So we, we have, uh, you know, a dashboard tool that has any number of widgets to slice and dice the information. Every communicator is looking to measure it differently. So we can measure with sentiment by volume. You know, it, it, it just, I always tell people it, it, everybody's going to tell their story differently, but we can tell it any way you want to tell it. So, you know, you can do it by social engagement. You can do it by volume. You can, you know, do it by volume with sentiment. Add all of that to that to show it over time. See the difference over time. See what, you know, the, um, I love what we do. We have a word cloud tool. So we can do key phrases. We can do hashtags, emojis, all showing you. And we can do all of that with sentiment. So, you know, let's say it's a campaign. You can see what the key phrases are. You know, you can see what's getting the most attention, what's driving the most social engagement, um, all of it. And it's all fully integrated in the platform. Like a lot of the other platforms, because they've been purchased by other companies and things like that, you have to log in to one, you got to log out to get in another. Or you have access to broadcast, print, social media, all of it there. And it's, you know, unlimited reports with us, unlimited dashboards, unlimited searches, it really, it, it just, it amazes me because, you know, when you start out in the business and you're doing it manually to now see what the SaaS and the artificial intelligence can do is sort of mind blowing for me. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say, uh, because I've said this a, a lot, not that I'm important, but <laughs> everybody <laughs> measures differently, right? Every, not do. everybody, there, there is no one yardstick for, that works for everybody. And to, I think to get caught up in add value equivalent and uh, doesn't work for everyone and, and everyone wants to measure differently. And so I've, I've said that frequently that you, you got to figure out what's important to the client and then measure it that way. So interesting to hear you talk about how TrueScope does that. Well, and you, yeah, and that's the thing. You, what I tell them is you come onto the platform and you, you know, if your CEO wants to know the volume or the social engagement or the scent, all of that is at your fingertips to do. You have to tell the story 
in the way that your client or your CEO or the C-suite is asking you to tell it. And we provide you all those tools so you can do it quickly and efficiently. Very cool. Um, let's just segue real quick into the locker room because I, I love how you started up this passion project at a time um, when people were really not feeling great about the world in the middle of COVID. Um, and, and you just you just jumped into this. It's a podcast that you started? Yeah, it's a video, video podcast, cast. talk show. Um, you know, my initial idea was at the time, it was April of 2020 and I was on Instagram. And at the time, Instagram was only allowing you to do interviews one-on-one. -on -one. And so my initial idea was, Maybe some of my friends from As the World Turns and Guiding Light wanted to hop on Instagram. And Michael Park, an actor, suggested doing it on a streaming platform. And I launched the streaming platform and I haven't stopped. And so what kind of guests do you have on? Everybody I, from the soap opera world? I have had everyone from the soap opera world. My childhood dream of sitting down with Charlie's Angels, Jacqueline Smith, came true. Um, I've had, I've run the gamut and um, I come from two parents who are Holocaust survivors. And so I created a sort of sub-series called Conversations with Alan to have open and honest conversations uh, dealing with the rise of hate, racism, and anti-Semitism with hopes that we all come together to stop hate in all its forms. And I've you know, I've, I've done shows on, um, I've shared my mother's story where I've interviewed the grandchildren of the people who saved her life because I would not be here without them. I, you and I would not be having this conversation. Um, yeah, I've, I've done everything, authors and socially relevant topics. Um, you know, when I launched the one thing, you know, I thought it was really to cheer people up and, and a celebrity interview. And when you and I watch entertainment tonight or let's say the view and there's a celebrity segment that you get three seg you know three minutes five minutes at most my show is normally an hour and so it it's giving them um it humanizes whoever they're taught whoever i'm speaking with and they're getting more in depth and what i really didn't realize was that we all you and i just having this conversation if we all listen, we can all learn from each other. And that to, in the world we're living today, that is the most important thing. And it, you know, yesterday I did a show on, on Ryan's Hope and an actor was talking about his connection to the executive producer at the time who basically saved his sister's life. The executive producer went into therapy later in life and helped him deal with his sister who was suffering from depression and who he didn't know if she would survive and he helped him and it's just like there's just things you people opening up and and sharing their their world with my audience or with me um was just not something i i fully thought about in advance of launching because i you know i just was unemployed at the time and looking to preoccupy you know, hours of the day. Because I also didn't want to look for a job right away. The, the world was shut down. Where was I going? So that's why I kept producing more and more. And here I am. But isn't it, is, isn't it great how those happy accidents happened? 
and and happen in such a can happen in such a profound way. I mean, you like you said, started out doing an entertainment based show and it has turned into an opportunity to talk about really important issues um, that that our world is confronting now. Um, and, and I think that's fantastic. So tell us about the the raising money for charities as part of that. How did how did that happen? So there's an actress who uh, used to be on my show, Guiding Light, is now on General Hospital, Laura Wright. And about a month after I launched, you know, the pandemic had happened. Uh, there was a lot of talk about hunger and the uh, the hospital uh, community and all of that. And she just came to me and said, how about we do something? And, you know, I had never uh, done like a live uh basically like telethon that's what it was and it ended you know i think like we had jerry lewis out, right right we set out to do i think two hours that ended up being about four hours on that first show just because there were we had 40 or 50 guests from every soap on the air and and previous soap operas and then um there were other just opportunities to raise money for the autism society of america there was a an actor uh, on my show, As the World Turns, who literally had just launched a theater in upstate New York when COVID hit and ha had a staff and basically was going to lose it. And we did a reading of the final As the World Turns script that helped him keep his theater afloat throughout the pandemic. So, yeah, it's it's been an incredible opportunity. I, I lost my first cousin. Marsha to pancreatic cancer in January. And I'm hoping to get something soon to raise money for that because it's such a horrible disease. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, it, but it's such an inspiring story to hear you tell about how, you know, you're just able to roll up your sleeves and, and talk to the people that you know and create something that has the ability to change so many people's lives and the theater story is a perfect example of that. Well, and um, the other thing that I get and that really has, I think, driven me to keep going is people, the fans of mine now, which is the weirdest thing to say, but they basically tell me how I helped them survive a very dark time. And, you know, I, I don't know if you ever grew up watching soaps, but daytime fans watch these characters five days a week and they are more family to them than some of their own family. So when they were, we, when we were all disconnected, I was helping to bring a smile or in addition, remind them of a period of time where they used to watch these shows with their loved ones. So, so it, important. It, yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's blown my mind. I mean, you know, I said to you my first, I was a page at ABC and Regis and Kathy Lee was really my first thing. And they hired me before I even graduated college on that show. And I didn't realize how much that experience has helped me do 370 episodes of this show. But I learned a lot from being on that set every day, watching them be prepared and how they did what you and I are doing right now. Well, I wish you continued success in uh, 360 plus more episodes because it sounds like you're doing amazing work that's touching the lives of a lot of people. And that's 
as PR people, that's really what we shoot for is to really make a difference uh, in helping people tell stories and changing, changing lives. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's let's segue now into the rapid fire oh, yeah, question yeah, yeah. portion of our podcast. Yeah, I think you, you've heard us, so you know what's yeah, coming, yeah. Alan. <laughs> this is where we steal a page from inside the actor's studio, mm -hmm. ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions meant to elicit a simple answer. A laugh or two, I think, we'll get out of you. Okay, so let's, uh, let's kick it off here. Ready? Rapid fire question number one for Alan Locker. What's your favorite news source? Um, you know, I'm pretty much an MSNBC person, but I... I like even Instagram to say, you know, there's a, following a lot of news sources on there and they always post something. So it's something you could scroll through quickly and then click to, to continue on to that. But Depending. reading multiple, I think is important. We all should be reading multiple and not trusting one. That is my soapbox moment. <laughs> I could not, I could not agree more. You got, you got to go across the spectrum. Absolutely. You really All do. Right, rapid, rapid fire question number two, and we might've already heard it, but what's your favorite social media platform? It, it's probably Instagram because I'm a, I, I, as a hobby, photography is a huge thing for me. Very cool. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? Can I have both? Yes, you may. <laughs> they do coffee martinis, right? And, and it's funny, before the pandemic, I never drank coffee. Oh, really? I was, a, di I was a heavy Diet Coke drinker, but I turned to coffee during the pandemic. Okay. All right. Rapid fire question number four. What's your favorite on the run food? Probably French fries. Mm, you, got a, you got a favorite? I, I don't really. I mean, like... <laughs> I friend today is Friday. We're taping this on Friday. My husband and I do French fry Friday. We go to the diner and it's French fry Friday. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Diner fries. Diner yeah, fries are diner awesome. fries really are the best. Diner fries are crispy. Little extra yep. crispy. There you go. There you go. But all the McDonald's people out there are going, no, it's the McDonald's. But yes, I agree. Diner fries. All right, rapid fire question number five, Alan. What do you want to be after you finish this career? Oh, God. Retired, I think. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Alan, this has been a great conversation. Please let people know how they can find you and your podcast online. Absolutely. At the locker room, and it's L O C H E R not L-O-C-K-E-R. You might not find <laughs> the right things if you're looking at that one. <laughs> yeah, it might be slightly On YouTube different. and Instagram, it's The Locker Room and Facebook as well. It sounds good. Well, and truthbook.com if anybody has questions about a media monitoring tool. Absolutely. We will definitely look you up, Alan. Thank you very much for sharing your story today. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the PR podcast, send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR podcast. Mm -hmm.